today on my first concert. But then I'm 17 and mm-hmm. thinking I'm going to, uh, I might be a big time singer someday myself. I thought. <laughs> and he comes out on stage. And you got your date with you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, he comes out on stage wearing dark glasses and naive me, I said, What's he wearing sunglasses for? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, those are fond memories of my first concerts. Great to talk to you again. Dave Lee here with a very special guest, longtime friend. Most of you know him from television. Some of you know him from his days in the Star Tribune. Uh, Ron Scher is pretty... uh, well-known around these parts by most people, I think. And, Ron, it's great to have you here today. Well, thank you, Dave. I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation. I am, too, because I don't know if people understand your musical background. In fact, I bet a lot of people don't. Now, I, I, I know a little bit about it, so I'm going to ask you a few questions about that. Uh, Ron, right now, what are you doing? What currently are you doing? Well, currently, you know, uh, accidentally, actually, about 25 years ago, I started a TV show called Minnesota Bound, and uh, it took off uh, uh, thanks to the dog Raven, I think, and um, uh, more than I think, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I, uh, you can't embarrass me. I, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, uh, Raven was uh, much more popular than I ever was. In fact, uh, David, just as an aside, I was, we we did a state paired show for years, Raven and I, Yeah, we had a Minnesota bound cabin there up still have it there. And then, and Raven would, uh, between acts, she'd sit there on the North side in the shade, defensed area, water. I mean, just fan on her and everything else. And I'm over uh, in a chair trying to uh, not sweat so much. And, um, <laughs> everybody's, everybody's coming in there, oogling the dog. And, uh, <laughs> finally a c- couple of little old ladies come by and they spotted me sitting there and they said, Oh, oh Mr. Shira, have I bet you feel bad. Everybody's going to see your dog. <laughs> and I go, oh, you know, I went to counseling. I'm over that now. <laughs> well, you know, they go, they go, well, we're going to go see the dog. I said, well, wait a minute, ladies. I got to tell you one thing. What? I said, you go see the dog. The checks still come to me. <laughs> uh-huh. True story. Uh, he is Rod Sherrill. Our special thanks to those of you listening to uh, My First Concert, a podcast available, of course, at TalkNorth.com, but also at Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. We tell you to subscribe. It's the easiest way to do it. StarBank.net, great partner of ours on this program. Ours, the folks at Propane.com. Some very interesting things are happening there that we'll tell you about later. And our longtime friend, Jeff Doherty at Aquarius Home Services. Jeff and I met uh, several decades back. And I believe I may have introduced him to my friend Ron Shera a long time ago. And uh, Aquarius Home Services is a great friend of ours here on Ron's show and on this show. And uh, get a hold of him at AquariusHomeServices.com. We're coming to you live from their studios, by the way. By the way. And uh, also, a special thanks to UCARE. So great to have you with. Along with producer Brandon Morton, we're going to talk to Ron today about music. And Ron, of course, the name of the show is My First Concert. So as a musician yourself, what was yours? Well, that's a good question. And I knew the title of your podcast here, so I'm trying to remember. I think the very first concert I remember, and concert's kind of a loose term here. um, I was just a kid at the Fort County fairgrounds in northeast iowa 
uh, and their pavilion there. And it was Leo Greco and his pioneers, a very popular band in Eastern Iowa based out of Cedar Rapids. And my folks would go there to uh, listen and dance. They would take me as just a pup and I would sit on the edge of the stage and and, and listen to the music. Wow, and was, dancing was huge then, wasn't it? I mean, oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, it, was, it, it was a big time. And then after that, then another concert there was uh, Russ Morgan and his band of renown, I think it was called. And uh, that was a full-fledged big-time band, you know, with trombones and trumpets and saxophones and drum. I mean, it was, it was a big band in the big band era. Yeah. And, of course, my parents went there also to dance, uh, and uh, again, they'd prop me up on the edge of the stage, and I would just listen. So those are my memories there. Um, and for somebody that uh, uh, folks today might know, I was dating a girl in Decorah, Iowa, and at Mater's Ballroom was another concert, uh, and it was uh, Peggy Sue, uh, uh, Buddy Holly? Buddy Holly. Um, it, it was the year before he died in that plane crash. Yeah, in Iowa. In, he died in Clear Lake, Iowa. But I saw him the year before. Wow. At the Modders Ballroom. And Buddy the ballroom Holly. had to be the place. Well, and, and Chantilly Lays had a pretty face. Oh, big bopper. Yeah, he was there. And uh, uh, there was one more I can't think. But uh, I remember about Buddy Holly because by then I'm... 17 and mm -hmm. thinking I'm going to, uh, I might be a big time singer someday myself. I <laughs> and he comes out on stage. And you got your date with you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, he comes out on stage wearing dark glasses and naive me, I said, what's he wearing sunglasses for? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, those are fond memories of my first concerts. Wow. What, are, what about that date now? Did that ever develop into anything that you care to share with the class or not? It did. I eventually married her and, um, um, we had one child and it was a very sad ending because I lost them both mm. in a house fire. Wow. Yeah. I never knew that. Boy, yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. And then, um, eventually you would take your act and come up north. But there were some other things that happened prior to that music, right? In Iowa? Well, yeah. I, um, as I said, I envisioned myself as a big time singer someday. Um, uh, going to be, um, Andy Williams. That was my goal. But, uh, so I started singing Steve Waters and me. Steve was a good, pretty good. He was a, a year or two ahead of me in high school, played pretty good guitar. So he and I would start performing free at the drive-in, the root beer drive-in. No kidding. Yeah, like get, before a movie or just separate? Not, not a drive-in movie, a drive-in where you go get, and they bring... Oh, the food place. Food, they bring a root beer to oh, you. Oh, like yeah. Arnold's and Happy Days. Exactly. Okay. So uh, we'd set up there outside and, and, and play for them No folks. kidding. And, yeah. And somewhere along the line... Did you have amps and everything too, or just... Yeah, just one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a low budget operation. <laughs> well, you're not getting paid. You, know, really, well, you get what you pay for, people. Well, I got free rip beer. Uh, you know, that was a big thing. Um, so that was uh, that was first uh, kind of a public gig we did. But then our crowning, uh, our, we reached our peak, David, 
we were discovered by the owner of Bob and Linda's Bar in Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin. Well, that's huge. Yeah, he, just the two of us, he offered us uh, three nights, uh, Friday, Saturday night, and Sunday afternoon, $15 a night. So that, and each of us would make $45 a week. I got $45 a week working also at the uh, Ford garage as a grease monkey, changing oil and stuff. So, David... In 1959, I was making six, uh, $90 a week. You were the guy. I was rich. Wow. Gas was 23 cents a gallon. Yeah. I mean, hey, hang on. I bought a, I bought a Ford Coupe for 200 bucks. <laughs> Wished I still had yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I knew you were going <laughs> to. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah, anyway. Can you imagine that Ford Coupe could talk? Yeah, the big thing at the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing it can't. <laughs> Uh, Bob and Linda's bar, one song that we did that, uh, I don't know how this happened, but I could sing it just like the record and the record became a national hit called Mule Skinner Blue. Okay. Hang on to that. Yeah. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. All right. Is Ron Sherry. You know him as, uh, the outdoorsman here in Minnesota and points beyond. But what you may not know is he is a great musician and will, and singer. And we'll talk about that some more here. And tell you more a little about Mule Skinner Blues. Some of you may be familiar with that. I am. But I didn't know. I, I, I'm anxious to hear the rest of the story. Hey, thanks to all the folks that make this podcast possible. And if you're hoping to expand your business or do some repairs at home this spring, I want you to look no further than Starbank. The turnaround time on a loan with Starbank is second enough because there's no red tape. Any monkey business, once you apply for a loan and submit your documentation, away you go. The home equity line of credit, home mortgages, business loan, ag operating or equipment loan. They're so familiar with that all these years. Even a loan for a camper or an RV maybe. But they do handle it all. I will tell you this too. When you go in the bank, they'll know who you are. And I'm going to say that you'll know who they are when you leave. And that's kind of a neat thing. It's nice to talk on the phone, do everything on the app. I get it. But it's really good to go in person and get to know these folks. I would encourage you to get your loan needs met at Star Bank. Starbank is family-owned, Minnesota-based. Uh, there's no hold times on the phone because they actually answer it for a very novel idea. How about that? They actually talk to a real person when you call her. This is how banking should be. I just call your local Starbank branch today or stop in at your convenience. Loans are subject to a loan application approval. Starbank.net, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. Okay, Mule Skinner Blues, Ron. I didn't know that that came from a Wisconsin group. Yeah, it was uh, first recorded by the... The Fenderman. There were several versions of it out because it was an old song, um, but uh, theirs became the big hit. And uh, it was like it was. Some people would remember Elvira, which came along much later. Mm -hmm. Everybody was singing it. Well, Mule Skinner Blues was of that nature a long time ago in 1959, and I could sing it just like the record. And Steve could play that guitar lick just like the record. And uh, we would bring people in off the streets to Bob and Linda's bar to listen to it. <laughs> oh, wow. And they would, re they would re request it time and time again. And um, I, re I remember, I remember, a, well, most of drunks would come up and say, <laughs> man, what are you doing here? I <laughs> go, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I know I'm pretty good, aren't I? Anyway, <laughs> um, so 
fifteen dollars a night, like I said, uh, forty five dollars a week singing, and that was that was uh, that was big time. But uh, let me fast forward now to just a few years ago. Um, my wife and I are taking my wife Denise. We're taking a trip through. My uncle lived in Wisconsin. We're coming, and we end up coming back through Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin. Mm. So I says right along her, the river, right? Yeah, I says to her, I said, let's go. Let's go find Bob and Linda's bar. Just I'll, sh- I'll show you where I used to sing. She's so sick of these stories anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, so I drive in. Amazingly, I kind of remember downtown Prairie du Chien a little bit. And we came, came up and there it was. But now it was Bob's bar. Something happened to Linda. <laughs> <laughs> so we pulled up at three o'clock in the afternoon and uh, we go in. I said, let's have a cocktail in there. So we went. We're standing at one end of the bar. At the other end of the bar, there's a three or four or five uh, local uh, you know, drinkers, early afternoon drinkers. And this uh, this uh, bartender comes up, and to me, he looks he looks pretty old, you know. <laughs> yeah. So Every, I, everybody looks older than we think right. we do, right? So he looks pretty old. So I I go I said, hey, you know, uh, I used to sing in this bar. I said uh, <laughs> a few years ago. I said. <laughs> You know that song, Mule Skinner Blues? I said, I could do that thing just like the record. And he says, when was that? And I says, that was back in about 1959. He says, I was three years old. (laughs) (laughs) My wife, (laughs) my wife still, she still gouges me about that. She says, nobody remembers you. Yeah. You're not relevant anymore. No, no. <laughs> Did you find out what happened to Linda? Or? Yeah, they got divorced. Oh, okay. Yeah, Maybe that's so, the Linda Conway tweet he sang about yeah. one time. I don't know where she went, but it was Bob now. Anyway, it was wow. a funny, funny story. Well, kind of cool, though, to go back there and brought back some good memories, I would think. Oh, it did, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, uh, you don't know this either, I was a, a pretty talented football player in high school. Um, uh, all conference, uh, all Eastern Iowa got to go Cedar Rapids, BMTV, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So I had like three or four football scholarship offers. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. Were there any other teams in the conference? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like Cole college in Iowa. Yeah. Um, uh, Laura's college yeah. in Dubuque yeah. and L- Luther college offered me a scholarship, but it was so expensive and my dad had no money. I couldn't even consider that. Yeah. But I turned them all down because I had a singing scholarship offered to me from McPhail College of Music in Minneapolis. Come on. So that's that's what, what brought you here? That's what, I, that's what brought me here. Mm-hmm. Wow. I never knew that. Yeah. And so I was pursuing this uh, singing career pretty good. And um, uh, as you... When, I hate to jump ahead here too far, but I'll tell this story. As I told you, I I wanted to be Andy Williams. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't Andy Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty. I had a pretty nice singing voice, but uh, you know, good morning, Captain. Good morning to you. <laughs> anyway, um, um, I wasn't Andy Williams. So just well, Andy never could sing Mule Skinner Blues. Let's be honest. Yeah, two years. But he, you know, he in his later years, he he started performing at uh, in Branson, Missouri. He had his own Andy Williams Theater there, and and performed, you know, if not nightly, almost nightly there in Branson. Mm-hmm. 
Well, a couple years ago, my wife and I went to Branson, and I had been down there before in my newspaper days fishing in Tanicomo River, which flows through Branson. So I set up a fishing trip for myself, and and so this is just a couple years ago, and uh, we're having a great time. I'm catching some really nice, beautiful trout, and by this time, Andy Williams has passed away by then, as you, you know, but so I wouldn't go. Anyway, uh, but I, the guide asked me about something about Arias came about Andy Williams, and he said, well, you know, anyway. And I, so I told him about my dream to be Andy Williams. And that was, that was enough. So then we're floating along, and I, find, I get a nice trout on it. It's, it's the nicest trout for me of the day. Mm-hmm. Beautiful rainbow. So we're holding it up and taking pictures, and I'm letting it go. And the guy says, by the way, uh, look, look at this house that we're in front of. I turned and looked. Big, beautiful, white house. He said, that's Andy Williams' house. I go, you're kidding me. <laughs> wow. He said his wife still lives there, his widow still lives there. I go, uh-oh, something's going on here. I let the yeah. go. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, that was bigger. That moment was bigger than you. I mean, that was <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> destiny. It was. I go, wow. <laughs> At least I got to catch a fish by his house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little did you know. Wow. <laughs> exactly. It could, it, hey, Ron Cher is with us. This is my first concert, a podcast available on Apple, Spotify, talknorth.com, wherever you get your podcast. Great to have you with. More with this well-known outdoorsman and more about his career that a lot of you don't know about, including the old football scholarship thing, which I surprisingly thought I would have known that. I did not. I want to thank our folks at uh, Propane for bringing this to you. Uh, most people agree we got to lower this carbon footprint. We know that. We hear that pretty much every day. It makes sense, though. We need uh, reliable and affordable energy. A diverse energy mix is what we need, and that's where it'll be affordable. That's where it will be reliable, and that's extremely important, particularly here in this part of the world where we've had four distinct seasons this year so far. You know that. But a clean energy solution for tomorrow is actually available today, and it's ready to work alongside other energy sources, and that's propane. Now, it produces 43% fewer 43% 43% fewer emissions in electricity generated from the U.S. grid. Now, as you're contemplating that, know that propane is energy stored on site, independent from the vulnerabilities of the grid, by the way. And propane's benefits, they don't end there. There's major advances being made as we speak for renewable propane that's compatible with the traditional propane, and it requires no additional infrastructure investments. We need to use all our low-carbon alternatives, we know that, including propane, to safely provide energy, reliability, resiliency, and affordability. Propane is the right energy. And right now, I'd find out more about it. I know I've got you interested in it. Go to propane.com and see what it can do for you. Yeah, that's kind of a chilling moment when you all of a sudden don't even know it, and you're sitting in front of Andy Williams' house, and then that happens. It was was cool. I mean... uh... I mean, it didn't mean anything, but the fact we'd had this discussion earlier and the fact that I had these boyhood dreams about being Andy Williams and then catching this trout of my day and then right in front of his house is a cool moment. Had some other cool moments, David. Uh, you asked about first concerts um, uh, to go to the Eagles, seeing them in person several times now including just about three, four weeks ago in Palm Springs, California. Oh, really? Yeah. It was an unbelievable uh, concert. and uh, They got some good harmonies. You would, you, uh, would oh, appreciate that. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, my wife is, you know, 
greater in music than I am, and she's just astounded by them. And then, of course, I saw them here in Minneapolis uh, at the um, at the Target Center, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and I was trying to think of a of another. Uh, oh, uh, um, Neil Diamond. I went to see him at uh, at the Target Center too, and uh, not Target Peel, Target Center. Yeah, and we were kind of a little bit behind him. Was there. he in his prime at the time or not? Was well, it? he was still pretty good. Okay. Um, last time I saw him, he didn't move on the stage much. Says it was his last concert. I'd never seen him. I had to go oh, see him. Yeah. Well, he moved. But he was supposed to be a great showman, they tell me. Well, he, I wouldn't say showman. Obviously, he's a great music, great singer, great composer, etc. But I think the thing that surprised me about him was he had no rhythm. <laughs> uh, you know, t- yeah. t- just rocking to the music. He, he didn't seem like he could rock to the beat, so to speak. <laughs> But uh, he could sing it, right? He could sing it, though. He could he could really sing it. So uh, those are the two big concerts I remember. What's the best one you ever saw? Oh, it has to be the Eagles. Um, obviously, um, uh, they're they're phenomenal and still are. Even though yeah. some of the uh, one leader has passed away, mm-hmm. his son was there, sat in for a few songs the other night when I, we were there. And uh, I forget the country and western singer that joined. Vince Gill? Vince Gill was there, beautiful voice of his own. Yeah. But their harmonies are, uh, I think what amazes me is I looked at their schedule. Oh, my Lord. You know, yeah. that night, uh, like a three-hour concert. And then the next night, they had to do the same concert again in Palm Springs. Just so two-night gig there. And then a few days later, they were often to LA or whatever I go, this is, I mean, how do they do it? It's amazing to me, but, uh, uh, they do. And so we're blessed for that. Let's uh, get, get back to, um, your wife for a minute, mm-hmm. former Miss North Dakota, right. uh, Denise. And that's why when I go to Ron's house, I just, frankly, am I, is Denise home? Okay. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> but you two sang together, right? Yes, we did. Tell me about that. Is that how you met? Well, indirectly, um, as I told you, I left uh, my football career and went to McPhail College of Music. And then a few years later, I had an an invitation to audition for a very popular singing group in Minneapolis called the Edgewater Eight at the Edgewater Inn along the Mississippi River up on Lowry Avenue. It was like Sheik's, uh, on the level with Sheik's, Sextet. This was the Edgewater Eight. Very, very, very popular nightclubs. People would come there for anniversaries, weddings, whatever. And uh, we sang uh, six nights a week. So a full time job. Two two shows a night. Yes, full time job. I got paid one hundred twenty five dollars a week, and um, you, you weren't allowed. None of us. We have uh, four guys and four women. None of us were allowed between shows to go out schmoozing no or fraternizing. Or no fret, fraternizing. It was very, it was very, uh, you know, G-rated. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, there, I, I only performed there for about a year and a half, and uh, uh, but I kept those were my friends. I started working for the Star Tribune. Were right. you writing at the time you were singing too? Uh, no, not not okay. at first. And, uh, but I got this offer from the Star Tribune. And so it was a little more money. <laughs> yeah. And, um, 
So I, I gave up my singing there at the Edgewater, but those were the only friends I knew. So I would hang out there and there was a young lady that uh, I started dating. And uh, she said to me one time, she said, I have my sorority sister coming from University of North Dakota. She was a former in Miss North Dakota. Her name is Denise. Can you find a date for her? Take her out. I said, well, uh, look, uh, let me see. I, I didn't know many single men. Only knew one at the Star Tribune. His name was John Rowe. He covered. Oh, John, golf. great guy. Yeah. Great golf coverage. Yeah. Too. And uh, so John and I were drinking buddies down there. Yeah. And um, I said, John, I, you got to take, I, there's a hot date coming in town and she needs a date. How about you? John says, eh, I don't know. I, I got I to gotta do something. I said, all right. So I go back to my girlfriend and I tell her, I can't find a date. She says, well, you take her out then. You know, you know all the live music around town. You hustle around town, take her all the places. This is your girlfriend. Yeah. She wow. tells me to take Miss North Dakota around town. So I, I, I did. And of course, I knew all the hot spots, you know, yeah. uh, live music places yeah. and uh, we did that. We danced a few times. I bet and... you did. Yeah, <laughs> you were not disappointed with Denise. <laughs> no. I know that. Uh, no, I wasn't. And that that was it. And then wow. uh, a few uh, a few weeks later, my girlfriend uh, said she was done with me. And no. so was that out of the blue? Yeah, I thought so. I was kind of done with her. I think she she talked first. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so I. Uh, Made it easier. <laughs> yeah. You could act like you were hurt. So I'm going to go. I'm now writing for the paper. I'm going to go to North Dakota uh, uh, pheasant hunting. And I know I'm going to have to come back through Grand Forks. So I sent a letter. All I knew was her name, Denise Fletterman, uh, Miss North Dakota, uh, University of North Dakota, <laughs> Grand Forks, North Dakota. That's how you sent it? I sent it. I didn't know any address. <laughs> I wrote a letter asking for a date. and uh, Well, my dad was a mailman back in that day. I bet they got the letter to her. <laughs> they did. Yeah. And, uh, but I didn't know it. And several days and weeks went by. I thought, well, there's a, there's a, I missed out on that deal. <laughs> and I, here comes a letter from her that she accepts the date. So I came back through Grand Forks, had a date with her, put my pheasants in her freezer because... Uh, <laughs> Well, and forgot them there. Well, when you could put pheasants in her freezer, you got her. Know, you won her heart. I know. And uh, so then I had to get my pheasants back. So <laughs> next thing I did, I I invited her. I, I sent her. I, I paid for her airplane ticket to come to Minneapolis. I had uh, through Bud Grant. I had uh, I had tickets to the game. Yeah. And she wow. brought my pheasants back to me. So that started. We've been married fifty three years now. Congratulations. But she, she's a wonderful singer of her own. And uh, so music is still a big part of our house. She plays it. And um, it's been a good thing. She goes to more concerts than I do. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty wacky that you would send a letter just <laughs> you thought I was, North Dakota. You, you, thought North I, Dakota. I, you thought I was just a simple old guy waiting for my bobber to go down, didn't well, you? I didn't give you even that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Ron Shera, my first concert. Man, uh, we've got some great stories. I do want to uh, mention, uh, and I bring this up because Ron's with me. Ron, you and I have known Jeff. Doherty and his staff at Aquarius for many, many years. Indeed we have. And uh, every year, uh, Jeff either 
sits in my boat and we fish together up in Canada, uh, or I get mad at him because he outfishes me all the time. So, <laughs> well, as far as a businessman is concerned, he's one of the best I've, I've ever run into. He, and when you sit down and talk with him, there's a reason he does everything that he does. And I don't know if it's a furnace that, that you need repaired or a new one. I just recently got bought a new one from Jeff. Uh, free water analysis. I got the Connecticut system, which is how you first got to know him. And I got to know him. I've had mine in for many years. And Same here. Just You just never have an issue with it. Uh, I know thing, people come to your house. I know Travis comes to your house wanting his own Connecticut water. Right. Well, a lot of his employees over the years have come to check our Connecticut system, make sure it works, Bring me, maybe bring some salt, et cetera. The system doesn't use much salt, but uh, always been impressed also with the kind of people that Jeff surrounds himself with. Exactly. And um, it's very educational to get a little quick tour of their office uh, there in Little Canada, I think yep, it is, yep. because they have a room where everybody can sit in very comfortable chairs, employees, mm -hmm. and they go around and talk about how to stay relevant in their business. Yeah, he, he and there's a reason he built it the way he did. Anyway, the point is the, the benefit for you is you're going with a company that's great, that's well thought out that really takes care of customers. Uh, I mean, we talk about earning the right to be recommended. Just try it out. See what Ron and I are talking about. They're a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. We're in the AquariusHomeServices.com studios today. But the free water analysis, especially in the springtime, especially if you're going to the cabin or, or wherever you're at, uh, is wonderful. So check that out. Uh, Ron Cher is with us here on my first concert. So if you were to, if you were to line up a concert, uh, alive or not, who would you have on your bill? Let's say you could have two or three acts. Who would you want to see? Well, I, I lean a lot towards some country western, so um, Johnny Cash would have to be. Uh, oh yeah, one of mine. And um, um, let's see, who else would I have? Um, I might have Andy Williams. Yeah, uh, for sure. I was thought when when um, uh, Mom said be be a good kid at Christmas time because that. That little white white bearded guys or white haired guys going to come to the house, and I said Andy Williams. <laughs> Another I might have, although I just finished reading a book called My Way. It's all about Frank Sinatra, mm -hmm. and I uh, was sort of shocked to know because nobody phrased songs better than he did. You know, great voice of his uh, and his his achievements are says at all, but I was surprised to learn in the book, uh, just how crude he could be and how mean he could be mm. and, uh, uh, things like that. But, um, but you'd put him on your conscience. I think I would anyway. And just as an aside, um, as you know, my wife and I, we spent some time in Palm Springs down in February mm -hmm. and that's where he's buried. So yeah. Cause his, his, uh, widow Barbara. hosted a, a golf tournament. I played it in a couple of times. In every year. Yeah. yeah. So I have been stopped at his grave once in a while. And in fact, I take, I took a picture. I'll show you. Uh, I, I taken a picture of it, and of the tombstone. By the way, the tombs, his tombstone is no different than Jose Jimenez out there or, or Ricky Lopez or whatever, who's whoever buried there, which I found surprising. But anyway, I took a picture of it and I sent a note back here to the office. I said, I've been hanging out with uh, Frank Sinatra out here. <laughs> I said, he doesn't say much, but uh, <laughs> but you're you're part of the Rat Pack now. Know, he he was a certain whiskey he liked too. Huh. I can't think of the name, but it's a, still around. 
but people would bring little bottles of it and set it on the really? tombstone. Wow. And then uh, not far away is uh, the guy was married to Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono's uh, gravesite's there. His says the beat goes on. Hmm. And then the next time I went back to Frank Sinatra's grave to say hello to him, uh, the tombstone had changed. And I go, huh. Well, then I got the inside scoop on that is that Frank's children, Nancy and Frank Jr., mm-hmm. could not stand his wife, Barbara. And, and when Frank was on his deathbed, basically, Barbara never invited them to say one last goodbye. So they were unaware of his condition. Mm. Anyway, they got even because uh, sometime in the night, I guess, they came in and put a new headstone down, oh my. down on Frank's grave. Wow. And Barbara's buried right next to him, of course, now, but yeah. they changed his tombstone just to get even with Barbara, I guess. No, wow. I mean, all, the final know. revenge. Yeah, so I'd have Frank, and and uh, it's probably three and up would be a, a great, uh, I'd have the Eagles, of course, again. But Yeah, that'd be a great show. Well, so in the midst of all this music, how did the hunting thing happen? And how did you become not only a great writer for the Star Tribune Hall of Famer, but also the television show, massive popularity? Well, not just because I was on it one time either. I, don't, I know that. <laughs> I, I think we lost the tape to that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's a long story again, but um, um, when I left McPhail, when I decided I probably wasn't going to be Andy Williams, I, the next thing I wanted to do was be a game warden. Because mm-hmm. you kind of grew up with that. That right? was my other interest. Yeah, my dad uh, and my mother always had my. They both were avid outdoor anglers, fishing, mm. sitting on the bank of the Mississippi River by Lansing, New Albany, uh, Marquette, McGregor. My mother grew up in Marquette, uh, and it was my dad worked six days a week, but Sunday in summer as we would go fishing. My mother's brothers were all into trout fishing with flies and the whole thing. That's an art, isn't it? Yeah, and so, but they taught me how to do that. And um, so that's, that was a huge interest of mine. In fact, I used to worry, David, I worried. If I become Andy Williams, I'm going to have to go to New York. <laughs> How would I go pheasant hunting out there? <laughs> I would worry about it. I, like, I believe huh? that. Yeah. So anyway, I left uh, McPhail and I uh, went to Iowa State University and took up fish, fish and wildlife biology. I was going to be a game warden. And I had to take a, a basic writing course in that uh, fish and wildlife major. I took a basic writing course. And one day the journalism professor called me and said, you, you really have a, an ability to write. We think you had a change to journalism and keep your fish and wildlife as a minor. Hmm. I thought about that and I agreed. It's the greatest advice I've ever gotten among several great advices. Mm-hmm. But, um, so that's what I did. And, I, I was the only student in 14,000 kids at that time at Iowa State that had that combination. And when I graduated, unbeknownst to me, there was an opening in Pierce, South Dakota for editor of the, of the South Dakota Game and Fish Department Conservation Digest magazine. And somehow, I think I, word got out there that I was available. Or, so I interviewed for that job and got hired. Hmm. And... Um, for six thousand dollars a year. Wow, you were pure. I was rolling in young dope. guy with six thousand. Yeah, Not, but trouble waiting to happen. And I wasn't there uh, about a year, 
when I got a call from the Star Tribune, said they were looking for an outdoor. It was just wow. a Tribune back then. That's a pretty big get for them because that, I mean, the Star Tribune in that day, now it's still big, but back then it was just. Well, it was. It was just a Tribune. Right. And uh, got a call hmm. that they 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 were looking for a, a writer who could do more than just say where the fish are biting. They wanted somebody who could interpret what biologists were doing and blah, blah, blah. And so, long story short, I got recommended to them. So I'm sitting in Pierce, South Dakota. I get a phone call from the managing editor. Would I come in for an interview? And uh, I did and uh, got the job. And they were going to pay me 12000 a year. So I was double. And uh, in November of 1967, I put everything I owned in my car, gave, a, gave my dog away, gave my TV set away, put everything I owned in my Ford Mustang and headed east to Minneapolis. That's not a lot of stuff. Ford was, Mustang was not a storage unit. There you go. <laughs> but everything I owned oh, went in there. Oh, wow. That was my coming back to Minneapolis. Wow. Yeah. And so you started writing, and, and then uh, it kind of took over and went places you may not have ever imagined. Oh, David, it's been a, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's been an amazing ride, as I like to say uh, a couple of times, quite a ride. And when I retired from, yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I was in Norway on nine 11. I remember that story before I went there, I was asking you about Norway. Yeah. And, uh, didn't know what had happened, but came in from fishing and was admiring a boat there. And the captain of the boat came out and talked to us. And he said, you boys are from America, aren't you? I go, yes. He said, did you hear what happened in New York? I go, no, no, no. He said, well, a plane crashed into a skyscraper there. And I go, where is it? And then another one came in and I go, wow. Where we were staying, they had internet. So we got New York Times and it was all over. That's how we discovered that. How'd you get home? Well, it was all travel was kind of shut down. There was a a few days of delay there. Mm Mm-hmm. But when it was time to come back, we went to Trumza, which is way north. Beautiful. Trumza. Yep. We were at the Trumza airport. I'll never forget this. When the announcement came over the airport, there were going to be uh, a few minutes of silence here for our American friends. It was the same time that President Bush was asking for silence in America. And here these Norwegians were our friends. And while we were over there filming, we also filmed a... Uh, a, uh, a, a hunt for hare uh, and a hunt hunting hare. Oh, yeah, hunting. That's big over there, isn't it? Oh, and yeah. you, you don't dress up in jeans. You are dressed up to the hilts with very fine shotguns and you have your beagles with you, your dogs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, where we go, where the guy went to meet us, we're on a huge hilly hillside. That's on the hillside. There's rolls of barbed wire that were laid there by the Germans. And it was still there. Mm. And up on the top, there were gun placements that were pretty much wrecked, but they were all occupied by Germans. They were protecting that port from the North Atlantic. And, uh, I mean, this is like walking back to World War II, you know? Yeah. But the, my young host there, who was probably 28, 29, paused as we were looking at this stuff. And he says to me, we'll never forget what you Americans did for us. And I thought, you know what? Most young Americans his age don't have a clue what we did for anybody. 
And uh, that had to be a bit overwhelming. Very sobering. Very sobering. Um, I I took a piece of the barbed wire and home with me, but there were still lookouts that were made of sticks, where a, a German soldier had to lay there on a hilltop and watch for ships. And you you could have still laid there on these sticks, and uh, it was a it was pretty something. Oh man! But then you know, been to Africa and um, South America a lot, Chile, Argentina. I've been very blessed. You sound like Hank Snow. <laughs> remember that song? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been, been everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, I bet you sang that a time. Oh, I couldn't memorize that one, boy. That's got a lot be a of tongue places. twister. Yeah. I just admire anybody who can sing that song. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you kind of shared the music side, Ron. Uh, I, I uh, Maybe people know it. I don't think most people do know that. But, well, uh, I don't stand uh, on the top of a hill and, and say that's, uh, that's part of my life that's passed, although I, I have to tell you this. Sir. <clears throat> There's a musician friend of mine who plays at Giggles Campfire Grill during the State Fair. Yeah, right next to you. He plays great guitar. And uh, he and I, I go over there and sing an hour or so several times a week at Giggles Campfire Grill um, because uh, we, we do country and western stuff and uh, uh, it's just fun. It's fun to keep doing it. Do some Johnny Cash stuff then. I do you? some Johnny, yeah, uh, pull some prison blues and all those uh, uh, help me make it through the night. It was a little romantic. Of course, you got to use kind of upbeat tunes at the state fair. Nobody yeah. wants to... <laughs> no. Nobody's coming there to be sad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Once after they pay their a fee to get in, exactly. Then, then they start getting happy again. Especially with a few beers there at Giggles. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and Giggles isn't going to let you feel bad either. No. Ron, it's great seeing you. I think we could go a long, long time. Well, thank you for this opportunity. It's been fun for me too. I've always been an admirer of you, especially when you. We, you and I pitched together, and you caught that gigantic perch. I'll never forget that. And How big was that again? About uh, four inches long. <laughs> and I was feeling pretty confident when I caught that baby. I think you bragged about that. That was least. about an inch or two longer than the last one I'd caught. <laughs> well, I'm a top guy, as yeah. you know. You were really good that day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have an admirer of you as well, sir. He is Ron Scherer. Thanks, Ron. Really appreciate that for coming on the show. My first concert available on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your, uh, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. That's where we're at. So uh, subscribe. That'd be great. All right, we've come to you live from the Aquarius Home Studios here. Go to their website at AquariusHomeServices.com. And also our thanks to the folks at StarBank.net. By the way, that's our bank here at Talk North. And the great staff at AquariusHomeServices.com. And, of course, Propane. Check out that website. Learn some stuff. It's really good what they're doing. We'll see you again next week. Thank you, Brendan. Appreciate that. And we'll see you all next week on My First Concert.